Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Living life to the fullest. Put your hand over your heart. Father, speak to me. Speak to us this morning, Father God. Make us aware of the importance, Father God, of these things you come to mention to us. Make our minds, Father God, clear from any other responsibilities we may have had that we have now or plan to have in the future. Let us concentrate and bring our minds to be settled at the feet of Christ right now. Father, we surrender our hearts, Father. Some may be troubled. Some may be overjoyed. Whatever condition our hearts are in, Father, settle our hearts and help us to open wide the gates of our hearts that we might receive your truth today into our lives. Give us understanding, Father God, and knowledge to understand the things that you speak to us and only those things you speak to us. We don't not much of a philosophy here in this room, Father God. We are about your word, for your word is life to us. And so speak to our hearts as we place our hands over our hearts and give us through this word life and life abundant, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. We've been talking out of 2 Peter chapter 1. And from this particular passage, we won't go there for the sake of time. I always seem to run out of time. But we've taken from the list here that we have from the Apostle several steps, several things that we are commanded to emulate. If indeed you and I desire to be prospered in life, not necessarily financially, but to be successful in the Lord. To keep and guard our relationship with God at its finest point. I mentioned to you about the once saved, always saved idea. Though we don't practice the once saved, always saved idea flippantly as if you can come into this place and just simply buy salvation and just go and live like the devil. We don't believe that. But in the scripture, we are granted and given things by God that if we do practice and the Bible says, it will keep us from falling. So that, that theory and that idea is truly a, real, a reality. Because there is a way for us to live our lives, now that we're saved, to always continue to be saved and successful in the Lord. I'm going to quickly give you a recap of what we discussed. The first thing we talked about is out of verse 5 in 2 Peter. And that is, to our faith, giving all diligence, adding to your faith virtue. And we spoke a little bit about that uh, when we have in the past. And we spoke about virtue meaning Living an upright and moral life. Doing everything we can to live excellent lives. Not to disregard this life that God has given us and take it just flippantly. And just take it for granted. But to do everything we can, not only to live upright morally for ourselves and our families, but also for the outer world. I've spoken much about legacy. Legacy meaning is something for the future. And legacy, by definition, I'm going to mess this up because I can't. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But legacy is all about our investment for the future. That's basically what it means. It's what we do now as an investment for the future. And if you look at our generation today, somebody has done some bad investing. Amen? When we see how corrupt and how morally spiraling Uh, In a downward position, this world that we're living in, there has been obviously someone who has not cared about their legacy. 
This is why our children are running rampant. This is why our marriages are falling apart. This is why we're doing things illegally. We're handling our businesses in a legal way. We have not invested in legacy. Somebody didn't invest on our tomorrow. And so we spoke about virtue being living our life <coughs> in excellent morality. It's taking the truth of God and not only taking the truth of God, but practicing holy living as we are commanded of the Lord to be holy because he is holy. Now, I don't need to stand up here with any kind of word of knowledge or prophecy to tell you what's wrong with you. You know what's wrong with you. You know the things in your life that you need to change. I know when I look at myself in the mirror exactly who I am next to God. I know, more, me, more, uh, I know me more than you'll ever know me. And God knows me even more than I think I know myself. But we know what needs and what changes we need to make in our lives. And so we are commanded here that if you want to live a successful life to the fullest, in the knowledge of God, we are to do everything we can to live upright and moral lives. Matthew 5 and 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of us want to see the Lord? We see this is not something recommended as light. If you want to see God, then we must be pure in heart. We must wrestle to do everything we can to keep our hearts vacuumed from all these things that can so easily, the Bible says, entangle us. Victory comes as a result of an of an intimate and uncontaminated relationship with the Lord. We read out of Psalms 37 and 37 last time, and I'll just read it for you quickly. It says, Consider the blameless, observe the upright, their future for the man of peace. There is a future for the man of peace. But all sinners will be destroyed, and the future of the wicked will be cut. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. Verse 40, the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. That we embrace God. And coming to church and us coming together all these years that we have is all with one purpose in doing everything and listening to everything we can to be able to embrace holiness. That is our grand effort in this next to giving him all the worship as we just did just a little while ago. The next thing is to be instructed, to be encouraged, to be motivated, even at times to be probed. To be pushed a little bit. To seek holiness. Because without a virtuous walk with God, our future will be one of failure, broken dreams, short-lived and not continual. With the Lord. The second thing we spoke about in this series is the virtue from virtue to step into knowledge. Knowledge, wisdom. The Bible says, but also for this very reason, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. The next thing that we need for a victorious life in the Lord, a successful life in God, is knowledge. Not necessarily theoretical knowledge in this world, though all, it's good, all that's good for your profession. But it speaks to us of knowledge of God. Knowing what God requires of a man. Understanding the truth of God and, intelligent, and be intelligent enough to, to understand it and embrace it for ourselves. 
The Bible is clear to tell us that if we can, if we have a sound knowledge of the doctrines of Christianity and applying them to our lives, then there is a no-miss guarantee. There is a no-miss for any one of us in this house or any believer across the plains of this earth. For those of us who embrace the knowledge of God. We go to the very commented verse in Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed from the lack of knowledge. That is, they're dying from the lack of understanding. Again, this is not theoretical and common academic knowledge. We know that we live in a genius world today. Yes? We live in a genius world today. All these things that are filling our laboratories and the scientists and the men are just madmen when it comes to thinking and understanding, equating things, doing phenomenal, incredible things. This is academic knowledge. This is knowledge here in this world. And all that's good. It will help you move along and be successful in your business. But let me tell you something. There is no successful businessman who's happy about his success in hell. I've told parents that and they kind of get upset with me because they're pushing their kids to get all the education they can. Go, 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 go. They miss church. They don't pray. They don't read the Bible. Just go, go, go. Get your degree. Get your degree. Get your doctorate. Get your doctorate. Get above that. Go, 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 go. One time I was sitting down with a family and I said, you know what, is he coming to church? Well, he doesn't have time. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's taking a, a million classes a semester and he's doing and he's excelling. He's highest in the program and all these things. And I just, I'm going to say, blame it on God. It just flew out of me. I said, you know, he'll be very unhappy as a successful scientist in hell. And some of us parents need to think about that. Because you've given your kids all the leeway to stay home and sleep late because they've been studying and cramming for an exam. There are no successful lawyers in hell. No successful scientists in hell. No happy, happy, peaceful geniuses in hell. And that's what's guaranteed without the knowledge of God. So the Bible teaches us to add knowledge to us not remain in the dark ages anymore when it comes to God and his word but to do everything we can to embrace the knowledge of God for godly living in our lives he will teach us every basic living principle that you could ever ask for all the way from loving each other as husband and wife to loving your children how to worship God how to live in the light of his glory all these things you will learn as you gain knowledge of God. See, if we were all God smart, we would see the world change. We would see families change. We would see homes begin to change. We would see cities begin to change. We would see states begin to change. And ultimately, yes, it's an, a, not an impossible dream to see the world change if all of us would embrace the knowledge of God. By a pastor, the world, that's a, that's a, that's a wild dream there. You're going a little. Have you ever read John 3.16? Am I the only crazy one to think that the world can be saved? For God so loved Texas. For God so loved McAllen or Edinburgh. No. You see, God is wide and big in his vision of salvation. 
said, for God so loved the world. That means that in his heart, God knows that if all of us would embrace the knowledge of him, he could teach us how to make it to heaven. How we could live in peace in this world. We would not be in the downward position we are as a country and as a people. Exodus 33 and 13, Moses said to the Lord, if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor in you. Teach me your ways, Lord. Make me smart. Job said to the Lord, teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I will not do so again. Some of us need to be knowledgeable of how we live our lives and to stay away from that stuff. But judging each other is something that's so difficult to do, yet the Bible tells us we should examine ourselves. Some of us need knowledge or acceptance, if you will, of that knowledge and knowing that we're not perfect in the Lord. That there are things that maybe you, it's so difficult to change in your life, but there are things that you have a grip on that you have purposely allowed to dwell in your heart. This is what Job said, show me, Father, all the bad things about me that I might learn not to do those things anymore. That's knowledge. The psalmist cried out, teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in my path of your commands for there I will find delight. Where will he find delight? In the knowledge of the Lord. In the knowledge of the Lord. These are so important things. So, so such important things. Uh, things for us to to know there's something else ladies and gentlemen that the Lord placed on my heart just a few days ago that I've added to this particular principle and somehow the Lord just spoke to my heart because I, I was speaking to some people and then it just all fell into place and I began to, to, to really get concerned about how, how absent-minded people are of the coming of the Lord you know, people forget that there's going to be a rapture. Some of you just forget. I said, people forget that there's going to be a rapture. And proof of that is that we continue to see a society, a generation of people living their lives flippantly. Without a clue in mind. That soon and very soon, and the Bible says that at any moment, I'll prove that to you in just a second as we continue conversing. I may not be able to finish this sermon, the coming of the Lord could be. You may not make it to lunch even though you plan for weeks to meet with your friend at 1 o'clock today. You may not make it. You may not make it home after this service. We may not make it to work tomorrow. Everybody say, come Jesus. We may not go to work tomorrow. Hallelujah. Father, I pray you come today. But that's how sudden, how real the coming of the Lord is, the rapture. We are not of this world. Regardless of what your opinion is, get upset me or not, you don't belong here. You don't fit in this world. He made it so. And how important, or should I say maybe how insulting it might be to the heart of God when he looks at us and we're trying to fit our lives as a puzzle in what this world is. 
trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. How embarrassing and how light we make the serious sacrifice of Christ to get us saved, to see us, the church, trying to conform to the pattern of this world. Forgetting that we have nothing in common. Nothing. You're an alien. Yes, you are. That's what the Bible calls you, not me. You're an alien. You're an immigrant. You have no papers here. You have no papers here. You don't belong to this land. But we're trying so hard, ladies and gentlemen, to fit here. I'm trying to get my residence. I'm trying to get my green papers here because this is mine. This is the dreamland to me. No, it's not. That's a nightmare. First Thessalonians 4 and 13. I'm going to spend on this, obviously, but I see the clock wrestling with me. First Thessalonians 4 and 13. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant is the opposite of knowledge. And we're talking about being knowledgeable. We're talking about being savvy, having the right information. But I don't want you to be dumb about this. Ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. We always read this at the funerals. You know, and I find that one of the most important reasons we, I particularly read this at funerals is because people do forget at that moment when they see their loved ones, someone significant, obviously. I'm not making that light. It's a very somber time when you see someone lose their son, wife, husband, family member, or loved one. It's a very difficult time. But because of those tremendously powerful emotions that happen in the funeral house, it's important to remind our hearts of knowledge. What you see here in this box, the remains of however much you loved this person, the picture that you have imprinted in your heart is not real. It's not the end of it. And so we read this passage to, re to remind the wife, the children, the, uh, the, the father, the brother, whoever it is, to remind them. To not have sorrow as the world has sorrow. But what you see here is not the end of the story. What you see here is not the closing of the last chapter. It's the opening for them of a new world that's never going to end again in the presence of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It also is a reminder that you're next. No, Pastor, let's change the subject. No, no, no. Everybody here in the next 50 years will be next. Even the youngest person here. No, Pastor, I plan to live 120. Good luck to you. In the next 50, 60 years, this place will be empty of every single one of us that are breathing oxygen right now.
you are next. Maybe me first. And everyone says amen. <laughs> we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus and those with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Here it comes. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. You may remember the disciples in the outskirts of Bethany. When Jesus appeared to them and they wanted to know when the, the Lord was going to restore the kingdom again of Israel again. And after he finished his discourse with them, he went up to be and to sit at the right hand of the Father. Remember that story in the book of Acts? And they said, Lord, when are you going to do this? And after the Lord left, they stood there and they were all looking up like this. And then the angel of the Lord came to him and said, what are you looking at? Jesus. He, he was right here. He, he goes, well, listen. Keep your head looking up. Because just like you saw him go up, you're going to see him come back. And the lesson plan in that whole conversation they had was, you be ready. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what my job is? Is to get you ready. Some of you guys don't like to be probed. Can't you just sing another song? Can we just not talk about that? No, no, no. I wouldn't be doing my job in the presence of the Lord. My job is to get you ready. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise first and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds as to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these things. Just like the Lord said, he's coming. Now we know that it's been said for a long time that he's coming. But indeed he is coming. Jesus said he was coming. And we need to be ready. Why do you need to be knowledgeable of this truth, ladies and gentlemen? There's a few things that the scripture teaches us concerning the coming of the Lord and I believe that even that alone should keep everyone with the coming of the Lord in mind on a daily basis first Thessalonians 5 and 1 says this but other times and the seasons brethren you have no need that I write to you for you yourselves or you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The Lord will come as a thief in the night. This is a great word of warning to every procrastinating Christian in this church today and around the world. 
For every individual that thinks that you have tomorrow to think about this point and have knowledge of the coming of the Lord. For every single young person in this house and around the world, every adult, every mom and dad, brother and sister, who still hasn't gotten serious about your walk with God. This is of great warning to you. Why should we be ready? Why should we have knowledge of the coming of the Lord on a daily basis? Because of what he just said. Because of how immediate and instantly and surprising it will be. I just said right now, I may not finish this sermon. You may not be able to do anything else. That next breath that we take right now is not promised to you. When it comes to the coming of the Lord. No more can you anticipate the coming of the Lord or the calling of the church home. Than one can anticipate the coming of a thief to ransack your belongings in your house. It's downright crazy to think, well, I know when the thieves are going. Well, wouldn't you be there? It's almost an insult to the Lord, I would think, to suggest that we can somehow guess. As many on the pulpits today say, oh, this is why so many have made so many genius uh, 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 prophecies. Uh, I remember 1976. This is Jesus is coming on the 17th of September. Everybody's trying to guess. Even the disciples on the day say, Lord, when you will you restore the kingdom? When are you coming, Lord? And Jesus so awesomely turns around and says, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> you see, he knows the nature of men. And he knows that if any one of us in this house wants to know what time he will come, it's simply because we want to play till we can't play anymore. Ah, come on. This is why you like to come to Rock of Ages, because it's real, isn't it? Reverend Soto is not thou is here with and goeth. It's come on, man. You know you want to do the nasty until you can get away with it. This is why kids, when parents leave on vacation or on a trip, when are you coming back? Because I know that that night I won't come in at 3 o'clock in the morning. When are you coming back, Jesus? Not even the son knows. I don't even know. This is up to the father. You see, this is why we should have knowledge of this. I'm obviously not going to finish today, but you're going to want to come back next Sunday. Because of the suddenness of it. The surprise of it. It's going to be so unexpected, if you will, to this world around us. You see, but us here in this place, ladies and gentlemen, let me wake you up to the reality that God has mercy on us and has had mercy on the church. That he's allowed us certain signs. He's allowed us things in this world to show us things he has foretold that we would see that would give you clear warning 
Yeah, he was saddling up his horse and getting ready to ride. By his grace, we have been given continuous intermittent warnings such as this sermon today. When you go home and you say, what was the church about? Well, pastor was warning us. What was the service about? It was about warning. Everyone on social media received this warning. Jesus is coming. But he's allowed us certain things. And I'm going to entertain you this morning. I think I've got enough time, Brother Orly and Orlando, to show you a couple of clips of just things that have already come and happening today. Things that you have to pay attention to. And they may be comical as you hear them. But souls are at stake. Do the first clip. For at least 2,000 years, prophecies of Jesus' return have permeated the religious world. Even to the point where several people have actually claimed to be the son of God himself in the flesh. Starting at number 10, we have Sergei Anatolievich Torup. Sergei Anatolievich Torup claims to be the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And he started his own church and he called it the Church of the Last Testament. To number nine, we have Oscar Ramiro Ortega Hernandez. He also believed that he was the reincarnation of Jesus, whose mission was to stop the Antichrist from ruling the world. Wayne Bent, also known as Michael Traveser, continues to claim to be the Messiah and he holds on to the belief that he is innocent and that the government is just trying to persecute him. Next up at number seven, we have Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. Now, in addition to claiming that he's the Messiah as well as the Antichrist all in one, he also taught that sin and Satan don't actually exist. Paulo Kibaloa comes in at number six. She also claims to be the appointed son of God or the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. He also claims that God appointed him to be the savior of the non-Jewish people. We have An Sang Hong tells his followers to believe in God the mother. And he's not referring to Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus. So the popular Christian doctrine is that there's God the Father, God the Son who became Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit. And An Sang Hong's teachings add a fourth dimension to God, God the mother. Alan John Miller claiming that he was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Alan John Miller, or simply known as AJ, he worked as an IT specialist in Australia. According to him, he recalled being crucified, like he has vivid memories of this. Now he claims that his partner named Mary Luck is also Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute whose life changed after meeting Jesus, according to the Bible. Inri Christo comes in at number three. Inri Christo claims that God spoke to him back in the year 1979 and revealed to him that he was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And since then, he's been all over the world, about 27 countries, maybe 30 plus by now, and he shares this message. We have Moses Holangwani. According to Moses' teachings, Judgment Day is approaching very, very, very fast. And Judgment Day, however, will be triggered once he himself finds a wife. Number one goes to David Shaler. He believed that he was the Messiah. He just, I don't know, popped up in his mind one day. He believed he was a modern day Jesus Christ, the reincarnation of Jesus. He also claims that he has supernatural powers, that he can control the outcome of sports games. He can affect the weather as well as a whole lot more. 
Obviously, we cut this video so many times. It's actually a very long video, but it speaks in detail of this man. Kind of comical to see some of the things when you hear their testimonies and how they came up with the idea that they are the Christ. Matthew 24 and 5 says, For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Here's what's not funny about this video. I was actually sitting and watching this documentary or this particular clip. If you and I laughed at a couple of things that were silly that they said uh, uh, about those guys that claim to be the Christ. But I'll tell you what's not funny about this, ladies and gentlemen, is that millions follow them. Millions follow them. There are people in this world, ladies and gentlemen, while you and I would never give up doing something, we, we, we don't want to give up overtime on Sundays because it's good instead of coming to church. There are attorneys psychologists, doctors, scientists that have given up their professions to go and dwell under the skirts of these men. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard to get a Christian here in the valley to come to church when he has overtime. Man, it's a great time for us to make money. And these guys will look at a practice that they've been at for 25 years, very successful attorneys and lawyers to say, you know what, I like that Christ. Closes everything down, gets on a plane and goes to wherever place this guy is at and starts to live in his convent and follow him. You may remember that uh, Deanda guy that I spoke about years ago when he was at, up in Florida. He was an established criminal. He was a crook. They put him in jail. He's a Puerto Rican individual. That everybody called him papi or daddy. And, and people of renown, I mean, people, celebrities would follow him. He had thousands of people that followed him, even here in the valley. I particularly know people here in the valley, men of God that used to preach that decided to go to Creciendo en Gracia, which was his ministry, and put a 666 on their arm, even today. It's right in our backyard. He would never die. Well, that guy is long dead. Frying in hell right now, there is no doubt. I'm telling you, if you just be still for a moment, you may hear him scream from the pits of hell. But the funny, not the funny thing about this thing is that souls followed him and souls are following and Jesus said that many would come before the coming of the Lord many would come saying that they were him now in this passage now I'm going to move right along in Matthew 24 and 5 there were many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many it's actually a, 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 a double law verse if you will it, it, it implicates a couple of things when it comes to those who say they are Christ there are those who tell you that incarnate they are the Christ and then there are those who stand behind teaching pulpits that say I am the example of Christ and I'm going to say that though many people laugh at guys like these clowns that we just saw up here. Millions even more follow clowns that stand behind the pulpits. 
that are doing everything within their wildest imaginations to convince people that they are the example of Christ and people blindly follow them. All these things Jesus said would come to pass before the coming of the Lord. These are things that we're not going to see in the future. These are things that we are living now. What's happening on the pulpits today. How the church has become now a commodity, a commercial center. Where we have men that are titled uh, the Hollywood pastor or the rock and roll pastor or, or men who teach the gospel but are pastors to the Kardashians and to the Oprah Winfrey's and all. The, and they're sitting in the jacuzzis along with half-naked women and praising the Lord. Hallelujah. And thousands of people are following and sitting in their pews. These are people of 10, 15,000 people. Venues filled. That is not funny. That is not funny. Hell will be filled with places like that. Run the next clip. Andy Stanley, who is the son of the late Charles Stanley, has a church in Georgia. Um, and in recent weeks and months, he's had a few uh, sermons come out with some very concerning red flags. Well, at the end of this month, his church is hosting a uh, conference called Unconditional. And this conference is geared towards affirming LGBTQ plus families, parents, and children. Two of the main speakers at the conference, one his name is Justin Lee. He is a gay married man and he professes to be a Christian and he calls himself an LGBTQ plus activist. The other, his name is Brian Neitzel. He also is a gay married man who said that in his late 30s he had a wrestling match with God and walked away with great peace that God had given him the okay to continue in this lifestyle. Aside from them, there are going to be many other pastors and um, ministry leaders speaking at this conference. The Lord warns us of these false prophets. He calls them ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. And Andy Stanley and every other speaker at this church are just walking right into the hands of Satan himself, who is the father of deception, who wants to see everyone fall into the pit of hell with him. These people will be held accountable for the words that they speak. Instead of taking this opportunity to let these people know of Christ's love and what he has done for them to set them free from the bondage they are in, they're literally holding their hands and walking hand in hand over that ed. Today. So much more that we could have let this clip run, but it mentions names that might offend some of us today because you may support them. Knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to know and never forget of his return, but he wants us knowledgeable as well to understand the grace and his mercy to show us things that are evident to us today. Of the things that will happen and how people will be spiraled and flooded into the pit of hell. Before he comes. It's a powerful lesson. 
It mentions, I'll mention Charles Stanley because she mentioned it, but I don't know how many are familiar with that ministry, with Charles Stanley. He just passed away. Mm-hmm. But his son now. His son now is supporting LGBTQ, ABC plus two, whatever it is that they call themselves. He's got speakers now. It's okay to be gay. And God said it's okay because we love each other. All that junk is leading people straight to hell. How are they not going to be popular? How are they not going to get flocks of people to come in? This is what the world feeds on. This is what the world desires. The Bible says in the last days, men were only going to listen to what their itching ears want to hear. This is why churches where the gospel is preached are not well attended simply because the moment you mention something like this, you are put down at the bottom of the food chain. We don't like you. We're going somewhere where they do agree with me and I still can live my life of perdition. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not hating on people. In no way, I love people. I love all of you. I love anybody I meet. I have many friends and acquaintances. But the surge of emotion, it can't be held back when you realize that even though you love somebody, they're still lost at heart. And somehow that love comes to surpass the authority and the power that God might give you to witness to a friend who is gay. I don't want to offend him. To witness to somebody who's a pedophile or to living some kind of pornographic life. To, to, to be courage enough to love him enough to say, listen man, can we sit down? Let's talk about these things. Do you know where all of this is derived from? Do you know where all of this is birthed at? I'm not hating on you. I love you, man. Exactly. You may walk away hating me because I've challenged your position. Challenge mine if you want. We'll go book to book. Tell me why you're right, and I'll tell you why I'm right. Normally, the individual closes ears, but there are those today, by the grace of God, have been delivered from all these kinds of lifestyles. If you were lost in sin, raise your hand at one time. If you were lost in sin. If you were born and raised again and washed in the blood, raise both hands. See, that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. So it's not about... Oh, how dare you, you filthy, no good for nothing. No. It's that we need to look beyond of what's happening. To care enough to say, hey, listen, hell is a long time, buddy. Hell is a long time. You've only got one shot. Make sure if you're going to step into it, then knock yourself out. But I, you're going to hear it. 
You'll be conscious in hell all the opportunities that God has given you from pulpits that preach the full gospel to friends that love Jesus and are walking a blameless walk before the Lord. You've heard warning after warning. You've heard it on a radio show. You read it in literature. You saw it in a sermon. You saw it in a clip. You've been warned. You'll never be able to blame anybody but yourself. And all this time, Satan and his demons will be laughing. Because he will have gotten his way. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be knowledgeable. Jesus is coming. And all these things that we just saw today, and I'll conclude this morning, and I'll continue next Sunday if you want to come back. All these things Jesus said would come before he comes. And now you are a witness. You'll never be able to say, Lord, we had no idea. I mean, you said we were going to see something. I know you were ignorant of the fact you were told on this Sunday morning. This man went up there, this ugly man went to yell it down your throat to tell you to be sober and be knowledgeable of the coming of the Lord, that I was coming. He told you to get away from that stuff. He told you to stand up in the Lord. He told you to prepare because you were going to be surprised that when you least expected my return, I wasn't going to wait for you to change your mind. I'm on the Father's time clock. He tells me when it's time. Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom? I don't know. I don't have a watch on my hand. It's in the Father's arm. When he says, go, then in the twinkling of an eye. That's how obedient God is. That's how obedient Jesus is. He's not like some of our kids. Clean up your room. I will tomorrow. No. He said, go get my church. Boom, he's gone. Son, go get my children done. They're right there. In the twinkling of an eye. You can't take a breath in a twinkling of an eye. You cannot ask for forgiveness in the twinkling of an eye. You cannot say the Father's prayer in the twinkling of an eye. You cannot light a candle or say a rosary in the twinkling of an eye. You will be ready or you will be not. Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Stand to your feet. Do your plans include the coming of the Lord this week? Think about that for a second. Do your plans include the coming of the Lord this week? First Thessalonians, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. Brothers, no one knows the time of the coming of the Son of Man. 
always include as a primary the coming of the Lord in the very next breath you take. Because that's how it's going to be. Never a good time to forget. The Bible says that he's going away is like a nobleman who went to another country to be placed as king only to return. I've got news for you. Jesus is already king. And I've got news for you. The only thing left is his return. Are you ready for the rapture? Living your life ready for the rapture will allow you to live life to the fullest. The fullness of joy and confidence in the Lord. You have no fear. You know, the doctors told me, and I'm going to be very candid with you. I shouldn't. I normally don't tell you the ugly things, but he told me. He said, listen. You know where we're going from this? I said, yeah. been fighting this you know that you've been doing really well I'm really proud of you you've done everything right you're medicating yourself well you're doing this and the other all the things that I'm required you're doing really well but you know where we're going this is inevitable I said yes sir I do I do she says don't worry about it I said oh make no mistake I'm not worried about it. I wasn't worried about it when you took me in that gurney into that operating room and I knew at that moment that I was going to go to sleep. They could be forever. There wasn't a drop of sweat on my forehead. I was ready. And when the time comes that the Lord calls me home, if it be now or 20 years from now, let it be His will. But you know what? Just as ready as I am right now, I'll be ready then. So, Doc, looks like I have to comfort you. I'm okay. I'm going to preach to the last breath. And I'm going to get the church ready. That's my responsibility. And your responsibility this morning and every morning is to be ready church young people be ready dad stop messing around be ready mom stop procrastinating be ready get your children ready stop thinking that your kids are going to find their way back to church on their own they're not get them ready that's your responsibility we need to be ready. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give. 